Welcome to the 90th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the tobacco industry marketing manager, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, my friend Simon Eady? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That's good, man. I'm happy to hear it. You deserve to do good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing, well, I'm doing okay. Oh. You know. Yeah. Anything wrong? No. Nope. Anything in particular that brought you down to okay levels? No, I'm pretty sure I've said I'm doing okay for the last 10 weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but you were doing well moments ago. I just wanted to see if anything changed briefly. I don't know. I was just, uh, you know, playing into showbiz, baby. You know, I'm trying to oh, I know. stay chipper. We're about to do an episode. We're about to do an episode here. I want to make sure that I'm, I seem upbeat, energetic, mm-hmm. excited. Oh, dude, you're seeming like it. You're doing great. Oh, Thanks. No worries, man. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Adrian, what did you do this week? Did you do anything cool? Did you do anything fun? Anything happen? Mm, Nothing crazy. I went bowling yesterday, so that was good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Went to the bowling alley, had some pitchers, a beer, and bowled. It was fun. Wow. Yeah. Just you? Alone? No, no. I I went with human beings. Others. More than than one human being? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. There was eight of us in total. Wow. Yeah. So originally we were actually going to go out to, there's a, there's the Stampede Ranch. Simon, are you familiar with it in Guelph, Ontario? Stampede. It's like a, it's a bar. The ranch. Yeah. The, the ranch. classic, the ranch. Yeah, yeah. I know the ranch. It's a country bar in It's a country bar. Yeah. So, uh, they, they did, um, like a reopening on St. Patrick's day, oh. which was, uh, the Thursday, um, before we started recording this. Uh, and, I didn't go to that, obviously, but it was just like, oh, nice. The ranch is back open. So a buddy of mine reached out like, hey, you want to go to the ranch on Friday? Let's all go. There's a group of us going. And I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's do it. But alas, Simon, you know, I got home from work. I took a shower and then I get a phone call from my friend and he's like, um, hey, the, the the ranch is closed. Oh, and uh, I was like, oh, OK, not a huge deal. And then me and my girlfriend already made like a plan where it's like if we get to the ranch and there's just like a long ass line, let's just go bowling. It's the two of us. And like not hang out with these people. Um, and um, uh, yeah, when I was told that, I was like, well, do you want to just go bowling instead? And then he was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So he called the bowling alley, made an appointment for 10.30 p.m. o'clock, and we were there from like 10.30 to 1. Yeah. 10.30 to 1. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. Yeah, it's a good time, man. You made an appointment with the the doctors of the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. You know it, dude. You know it. So uh, yeah, that's what I did. I made some food this week. I made some traditional me too. Former Yugoslavian food. Made some chevap. Chevapice. Oh. You know that. Wow. Yes. Made some lepenya from scratch. So it's just like like Balkan style flatbread that I made from scratch. Made some shopska salad. You know shopska salad, right, Simon? Yeah, I got some tomatoes, you got some cucumbers, you got some feta, you got some onion. Mm-hmm. Got some peppers in it and as well. A, vi- a little vinaigrette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I made all that. Uh, it's a productive week, let me tell you. Wow. Productive week. What about you, man? What did you get up to? Nothing. I went to work. I came home. I watched shows. I watched video games. I watched them. Nice. That's right. Cool. Well, 
also playing them. Yeah, oh. crazy week. So exciting. Yeah. What were you playing this week, Simon? Sorry, Ken, in advance. We're talking about video games. Uh, I played Horizon Forbidden West. Nice. I played Dying Light. I played Grand Theft Auto V. Oh, oh man, you're going crazy. It's wild that you can play three games at the same I just, I don't have that in me. I'm very much a one game type person, at least one game per console. I can maybe do like an online game. Like, you know, if we're like playing Red Dead Online or something, um, yeah. I can do that on top of like a single player experience. But usually it's like at most one single player game and then one multiplayer game at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I'm like that too, but I feel like it's mainly based on narrative heavy experiences. Mm -hmm. And I've already played GTA five because it was out like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and they've relaunched it now for the 80th time. And, uh, that's an exaggeration obviously, but they've released it now for many times. This is like the the third re-release or whatever. Mm -hmm. Fourth, maybe. Um, but yeah, the other game forbidden West is the only game I, I really care about the story. Dying light two story is kind of not the greatest. So I don't feel that invested. So I, I, my main focus game is definitely her, the Horizon Forbidden West. But we're talking too much about video games here, Adrian. We should move on, I think. What do you yeah, think? sure. Sure, man. I'm also okay. playing Horizon, though. It's great. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear. Yeah, I think I, I take it you're probably a little further than me because you, you mentioned it many episodes back before I was even playing it. So. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the last mission. So I'm just like doing all the extra Whoa. shit now. I'm just like uh, getting all the trophies. So ideally I can like finish the game, get the platinum trophy as I finish the last mission. But uh, mm. we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Exciting. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay. To move on to film and TV, because that's what our audience is presumably here for. Maybe. Let's talk about that uh, production weekly magazine, Adrian. I didn't never, I'd never heard of it before oh. today uh, or before this week. But production weekly is like a magazine that goes through and talks about all the movies and TV shows that are in either pre-production, production, or post-production. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the weird listings in there, specifically, it's weird because it was never announced. Mm-hmm is Daredevil Reboot. Yeah. With Kevin Feige, producer Kevin Feige listed as the producer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd imagine this is an accurate magazine, but uh, I mean, they may not be. Mm -hmm. But Daredevil Reboot is strange in a bunch of ways, but the main way it's strange is because obviously Disney never announced that they were making a Marvel Daredevil Reboot. Mm -hmm. Although they did, did just launch like, Daredevil one season one two and three on Disney Plus, which was a previously a Netflix property, mm-hmm. um, and obviously there's some hints that you know Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox are coming back mm-hmm. in their their roles in in the MCU specifically. But uh, what do you make of this? I'm curious. What do you think? Um, so I feel like I'm not surprised that they're bringing Daredevil back. I think both you and I were fairly confident that Disney was not going to just let this IP uh, or like let this, you know, franchise just go, go into nothingness. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that they're bringing Daredevil back. The, the issue that I have with this is that it's listed as a reboot. Cause I don't want it to be a reboot. I want it to be a continuation of, 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 of where it left off on season three. Cause the ending of season three, it's a, uh, it's a pretty big cliffhanger. And I want to see where it goes from there. Now, it, it, I, I, I can understand that it, it would be a little bit difficult to continue exactly where it left off because where that show ended, you know, is like, I guess, just before the snapping. And then you got to kind of fill in like, oh, what's been going on over these past five years, all of that sort of stuff. So I, that's a little bit complicated, but I want to like, I want to continue that story. I mean, um, I don't. 
I don't I don't want to reboot. <laughs> Long story short. Um, and it sucks that it's listed as that. Um, what do you think about this? I agree. Yeah. I don't want it to be a reboot because that show, all three seasons are fairly great. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you need to reboot a show that's generally amazing. And especially because I find, and I, I mean, this is obviously my opinion, but I believe that Daredevil, the series, especially if the Daredevil, Daredevil characters or whatever are in the MCU, that those three seasons are arguably better than any of the other MCU shows. Mm-hmm. Again, in my opinion, at least the first season and third season, second season is a little shaky, um, a little shakier, but that third season as well with uh, Bullseye, mm-hmm. it's just very good. It's it's generally, I keep saying generally, but I'm trying to say genuinely, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what my brain's trying to say to me, but genuinely, it's very good. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox, like, knock it out of the park. Um, yeah, like, I want to see Deborah Ann Wool return as well as Karen Page. And again, the, what's the actor's name? Um, looking at Wilson Bethel, who played uh, Bullseye. He was, he was phenomenal as well, so. Yeah, I actually, I really like, um, I don't know the actor's name for... Foggy Nelson. Eldon Henson. I have it up right now. Oh, yeah. Perfect. You know, it's weird. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast at all, but John Favreau played Foggy Nelson in the original Daredevil movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Ben Affleck. Yeah, he did. Which is so weird. Yeah, it is weird. Because that, that was before the MCU, and then John Favreau basically invented the MCU in a way, which is crazy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It would be nice to have John Favreau come back. Um, and have like some creative role in the Daredevil series. I would like, or even just like a little cameo. You know, you just see Happy yeah. walking in the background or whatever, and him and Foggy meet. I, I would like a little hint, and you know, like a little nod towards that. Why not? Yeah, MC is doing a bunch of fun stuff. Let's do it. I'm good with it as long as he's got enough time, and as long as he wants to be still involved with the Star Wars universe. Um, I'd rather he deal with the Star Wars universe if that's what he wants, because mm-hmm. honestly, he's got the Star Wars universe. He could be placing that on the correct track. Mm-hmm. Considering it's gone off the rails a couple times yeah. in the in the Disney ownership so far, so yeah, but yeah, I'd be down. Me too. If you had a creative role, or if you just showed up, yeah, I'm curious um, when they're gonna officially announce this Daredevil reboot and how they're going to announce it as well. Sh- should have announced it yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> like what's going on here? Fair point. Like, why is this? Why is this not announced? Mm-hmm. It's just so stupid. Um, and I really hope that this is a rated, like mature show, because I feel like that's some of the beauty of that series, mm-hmm. the seasons one to three. But the fact that it's a reboot worries me. I just don't understand the reboot aspect. Just don't reboot it. Mm-hmm. You've got an amazing show in your hands. You have the opportunity to continue an amazing show. Hire like uh, the showrunners for season three and just keep it going. Yeah. That's my vote. Same. That's my vote too. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Simon. I have a little show correction for Uh-oh. you. Well, not necessarily a correction, a clarification. Oh. So last week, we were talking about Disney Plus and, you know, its star, um, you know, I guess like extra tab that we have, you know, internationally. But you know how in the States they have Hulu still and they have Disney Plus as like two separate services. Right. Right. And how the majority of Hulu content goes on star internationally like Hulu original movies and stuff like that. And then I listed uh, like an example of Palm Springs not doing that. But then you made a good point where Star wasn't released in Canada at the at the release of Palm Springs. Yes. But Simon. Yes. I have a little twist for you. 
The new movie, Deep Water, starring Anna Darmus and Ben Affleck, which is a Hulu original movie, is releasing on Amazon Prime Video in Canada hmm. and possibly internationally, which kind of puts a little, little flair on our, our conversation that we had last week in terms of, you know, that Disney owns the majority of Hulu, which is, which is true, and that they have, I guess, final say of where that stuff goes. But... You know, NBC is also attached to that service. So maybe it's not as um, not as straightforward as we thought, because I, I found this to be very odd and very interesting. You know, deep water coming to Amazon Prime Video. And it's uh, strange I'll, because it's 20th Century Studios that produced it. So it's not like it's a mystery as to who made it. Yeah. 20th Century Studios is obviously Fox. So like you'd think it would just come to star. What's yeah. also interesting, and it's also a 38% of Rotten Tomatoes. So I wonder if they saw it as like, this is a dud. Let's put this on another streaming service. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, it did look good. The trailers kind of look great. So I'm kind of surprised it's so poorly reviewed. But anyway, I don't I thought that anyway, that the trailers yeah. looked good. I don't think I even watched the trailer, to be honest with you. I saw two. There's one that was like a teaser that was like very like, it looked like they had a lot of chemistry. Mm -hmm. like Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. And then the second one was like, whoa, there's something going on here that's definitely not just them having chemistry mm. for sure. It's interesting. So it's, it, it makes sense that they would have chemistry though because like I, I believe Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas dated at one point. <laughs> Is that a joke? I can't tell. No. If you're joking. No, I'm being serious. I can't tell because you have such bad memory that I like for normal people – um, that are not Adrian. I feel like he, he would not have remember. Like you would have, you know, pro definitely remember that we talked about this last week. No, no, specifically, we, and we definitely did. Then we definitely did. Is what I'm saying. And then you would be like making the joke, and I'd be like, "Oh wow, haha, ha, that's what I said last week," or something like that. And I'd make a weird quip on your quip. But because I don't know, because your memory is generally not, you know, incredible. Um, How dare you! How dare you? I don't know. You just you leave your memory open for other things. Not not good old Simon here. So I feel like you don't remember our conversations as much as you might remember something else. That's all I'm saying. I don't remember anything, honestly, most of the time. You remember what you had for dinner recently? That's true. That's true. You just told a story about going to bowling. That's true. Well, that was yesterday. Yeah. Well, not a week ago, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> a week ago is a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a while. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is a pretty strange thing. I don't know. But uh, are you going to watch this movie? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to spillfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And longtime listener Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us and he said, What did he say? Peeps, I would like to see an Arkham series that shows early incarnations of, of Doctors Hugo Strange, Jonathan Crane, and Harleen Quinzel. I'd rather show these characters in development and not the final product, i.e. not Harley Quinn. Strange and Crane could be experimenting on the inmates while Quinzel is trying to establish herself as a credible doctor while being undermined by these two narcissistic sociopaths who will sacrifice anything and anyone to achieve their goals. I have no problem with the Penguin series being pushed forward whilst the Gotham PD show gets put on the back burner. I definitely want to see Cobblepot grow into the ranks of 
underworld bosses and establish himself as someone to be reckoned with. The combination of Colin Farrell's incredible acting and Michael Fontaine's amazing sculpts, hopefully he will be executing the makeup in this series, made the Penguin a fantastic character in the Batman, and I was left wanting to see more of him. This is a letter signed by Kenneth, and he's got a quote here. Sometimes, sometimes I think the asylum is a head. We're inside a huge head that dreams us all into being. Perhaps it's your head, Batman. Arkham is a looking glass, and we are you. A quote written by author Grant Morrison from his comic, Batman Arkham Asylum. Adrian, we specifically talked about this last week. We talked about how there's a Penguin series that HBO Max has greenlit officially, which is very exciting. It's like a limited series that's like a sequel to the Batman movie. Um, and of course, there's a Arkham series, which hasn't quite been greenlit. Arkham Asylum horror series mm-hmm. that uh, Matt Reeves is also working on. Director Matt Reeves of the Batman is working on, but um, it's not greenlit yet. And uh, so we got those two. But I kind of agree with Ken. I think that would be smart if we get these characters in their, you know, Mm-hmm. Infancy, pre-villainous yeah. stages, or pre-pre-infamy. Yeah, I would like that too. I feel like that's kind of what I said about uh, Harleen Quinzel, or maybe I just said Harley Quinn. Like you, you did, know, yeah, um, yeah. I but, remember, I remember distinctly because you were about to say Harleen Quinzel, but I, I got the impression editing this uh, this podcast that you forgot her exact name and you chickened out and said Harley Quinn instead. Yeah, better save the story. But I understood what you were saying. I know I understood what you were saying, so I'll give you that credit. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I understand you. Even if you don't say it, I can hear it. You can feel it. Yeah. Even though we're not in the same room because we do this remotely, I can mm. hear it hear it in the tremble in your voice. Yeah, like that. Um, yeah. Less less exaggerated and more subtle, but yes. I, I did a little bit more subtly. Did you hear it? I did. I always hear it. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this quite a bit last week, but I, I like this idea of an Arkham like horror series, and I, I would like to see it. But I do agree with Ken. I'm very excited for this Penguin series. I think this is going to be a quality <laughs> um, series. I think Colin Farrell's like performance was 10 out of 10 in the Batman. He was unrecognizable. And I guess Michael Fontaine, him doing the makeup. Um, I would I'd be confused if they didn't bring him back because – yeah, I, I don't. For sure. Yeah, like it, it would just seem like a missed opportunity. And again, that was like genuinely remarkable makeup. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm stoked about this. I, I want to see more of this Bat Reeves verse. You know what I mean, man? Oh, I know. I know. I agree. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, it'll be cool. I think it's going to be a ways out, though, um, regardless. But, man. But, uh, yeah, because I don't think, uh, speaking of production weekly, I don't believe this was on the on the listing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I didn't look into it enough to give you a concrete answer. Doing a little searchy search. I am. I actually just typed it because I just uh, did uh, Control F, mm-hmm. um, Command F on my Mac, and I just oh. tried to pull it up in the listing, and it did not show up. Which means, does that mean it's going to be produced in like, is the pre-production or post-production going to start in? Oh, sorry, post-production. Is the production going to start in 2023? That would be kind of disappointing. That's a long way out then. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just don't have it listed here because they're smart and they don't announce things on a random magazine or random like production listing before they announce it. <laughs> Could that be it? No way. 
Deadpool 3 is on here, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm looking through it. Hmm. Any other cool things? And Deadpool 3 is being, of course, we talked about this. He's It's being directed by Sean Levy, mm-hmm. who directed uh, The Adam Project and Free Guy. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. There's a bunch of cool things here, but they're all things we kind of talked about um, for the most part on this podcast. Yeah. Or a lot of a lot of the things we talk about. I mean, we don't talk about every single production that's ever going to happen, but yeah. Anyway, it's good. Nito, Nito Adrian, what did you watch this week, my friend? What did you watch? Well, Simon, I actually watched The Adam Project this past week, believe it or not. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, uh it's a Netflix original movie directed by Sean Levy that you that you mentioned, uh you know, starring Ryan Reynolds, Canada's own. Um and uh this movie's pretty okay. I didn't love it. I'll be honest with you. And okay. I felt, I, I I think I liked Free Guy more. Oh, but again, I I felt a fairly similar way after watching Free Guy, where I was like, this movie's all right. Like I, I don't love it, which kind of makes me a little worried about where Deadpool three is going to go. But again, hmm. I think like Ryan Reynolds knows what he's doing with Deadpool, so I'm hoping that it's not going to go downhill really with that series. But long story short, the Adam Project is, is like uh, it's a, it's it's about this kid that lives in 2022 who is um, Ryan Reynolds from the past, and Ryan Reynolds from the future goes back to the past to baby Ryan Reynolds by accident to I guess like find his wife or something like that. And it just kind of progresses from there. There's like, you know, future time travel stuff. Um, people go into the past and, and you know, talking to the past versions of themselves. And Mark Ruffalo's in it and Jennifer Garner's in it and all this sort of stuff with some like pretty okay action. But um, one thing I think that this movie kind of fails at is the is the, is the time travel itself. It, it creates a lot of little plot holes um, Mm. throughout the movie because of it and some questionable decisions by characters, you know, not doing specific things because they don't want to change the future. But the entire premise of the movie is about changing the future, which is very confusing to me. And I'm just like, why don't you just do this? And little things like that, where I felt like the execution of this movie wasn't done incredibly well. I think the casting of, um, Baby Ryan Reynolds, uh, the actor's name is Walker Scobel, Scobel, um, I think. Am I seeing this right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think he does an okay job as um, Ryan Reynolds. He does like a like a, a, a fairly great impression, but it just seemed like he doesn't look like Ryan Reynolds enough. So I didn't find like there was a good enough resemblance. But oh. I'll be honest with you, after I watched the movie, I saw like Netflix post a picture of Ryan Reynolds as a kid, and it looks fairly similar to the Walker, Walker Scoble guy. So I, I was wrong. He looks to me like him. If, I, if I'm looking at his nose and his features, it's, mm. does, he does kind of look similar to me. I, I thought that in the trailer as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, it, I just didn't uh, see the connection, but I, I think I'm in the minority on that one. And again, I think this movie is like, it's fun enough. Um, the writing is like, yeah, whatever. Um, I think you mentioned this about the Uncharted movie that like the Uncharted movie was made for the TikTok generation where it's just like, go, go, go. There's like not even a moment to really breathe. And and hmm. I felt very similar in this movie where it just kind of it once it starts, they're just booking it through it. And it it doesn't take enough time to, I guess, develop additional characters. It's really just 
you know, Ryan Reynolds playing off this kid who's supposed to be him, which again, they do a pretty good job. It's, it's like they're likable enough, but I just found that again, it, it seemed a little bit rushed and forced a lot of these, uh, you know, conversations and, and, and you just kind of have to assume uh, like two people's relationship and they want you to feel sympathy for like, you know, specific characters, but it's just like, I literally just met this character two minutes ago on screen. Mm. Yeah. They mentioned them before, but I really couldn't care less. And again, it, I just felt, I, I kept on thinking about what you said about the Uncharted movie where it's like, yeah, this, this is made for the TikTok generation. And I feel like, yeah, again, the Adam project was, and I don't really, I don't really like it. And I don't necessarily know if I'd recommend it. My buddy, uh, Eric messaged me after he watched it and he said that he liked it and that it was like, that it was worth the watch. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a, give it a shot. It's, it's a fairly short movie. I think it's like an hour 40, but, uh, I don't know. All in all, I, I didn't really like it. And it made me a little bit worried about that whole, like Deadpool three being made by Sean Levy. Cause I just, I don't like the past two movies. He's released all that much. I see even free guy, which I know is re- reviewed incredibly well. I feel like I was fairly lukewarm on it. And I was like, yeah, enjoyable enough. I'd probably never watch it again though. So, Interesting. Yeah, like this movie is like a 68% or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. But the mm-hmm. the Deadpool 3 movies being written by the Molyneux uh, sisters as well. The Bob's Burgers screenwriters. Yeah. So I'm curious. Like, I feel like Bob's Burgers is pretty well regarded. And then you got Ryan Reynolds in there who like is very passionate about getting Deadpool mm-hmm. right. And so if you combine all that into like a, a cauldron and you throw in rated R, I feel like you might turn out something really good. And... I'd imagine if the writing is good, it will be written in a way that's competent and you're not just rushing the plot. But I guess we'll see. But yeah. uh, I really did like the first Deadpool and the second Deadpool movie. They were both great. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Did you watch anything but, uh, else? I did, Simon, actually. So last week I mentioned that there was a movie coming out called X, yeah. which is the new A24 like horror slasher movie. Yep. And it was playing in a Cineplex um, literally right beside my work. So I was like, I'm going to watch this after work. And um, this movie is really damn good. Let me tell you, it's a really good movie. Oh, good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So it has that like, you know, a 24 flair that sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't even call it. I feel like a 24 really picks their movies, right? The movies, these dis- they distribute, they have like something unique about them and something that kind of sets them apart. And I feel like this movie really does. It's not your like traditional horror, like jump scares and stuff like that. This entire movie is literally about building tension and setting up situations w- that you know is, are coming. And you just are watching these characters essentially w- walk into these situations where you're like, God damn, I, d- I know exactly what's going to happen. It's terrifying. Um, and I think that's what this movie does. Absolutely brilliant. It's it's stressful. Uh, like I was watching it and again, I, I felt anxious and stressed out. And, but I think the performances by absolutely everyone on the cast is amazing. It's stellar, dude, especially uh, my, uh, Maya Goth, I believe, or Mia Goth. I'm guessing it's Maya Goth, um, who plays uh, Maxine in the movie, one of the main characters, along with the, the, the elderly woman as well. With She has a bunch of prosthetics on and everything like that. And it's it's kind of, her performance in both those roles are are absolutely stellar. But again, the premise of this movie is, you know, it takes place in the nineteen like nineteen seventies. I think nineteen seventy nine is the exact date, and um, it's about you know this group of I think six people, 
um, that are going to this, you know, backwood um, sort of like house that they are renting out from these two old people. They have like a barn and everything to uh, film a porno. And um, once they get there, you know, the two people that live there are a little bit odd. Um, but, you know, they kind of stay out of their way and they um, they make a porn movie until things start going, you know, a little bit right. crazy. Yeah, exactly. And it escalates very quickly. And it's funny. Uh, Jenna Ortega is also in this movie who and she's brilliant. And most recently she was in the Scream movie, like the new Scream movie. So I feel like slowly she's becoming like uh, the queen of these like horror slasher movies. She's really awesome in both of those. She was also in, uh, what was that movie? Uh, the Babysitter, the, the sequel to The Babysitter. I think it was like Killer Queen or something like that, which was like a, kind of like another like horror slasher movie. So I really like that she's kind of. She's also in Yes Day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yes Day. You remember Yes Day? Yeah. Yes. I do actually. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. never saw it, but we did talk about it at length. Yeah, that was a good time. And she's in Studio 666, which I imagine is more thriller than horror, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah, so she's in like a lot of like random like slasher movies. So it's really cool. Now, I actually liked Scream more than this movie. Now, they're very, although they're both slasher movies, like this one is far more scary and tension building as opposed to Scream, which is like, you know, this meta whodunit slasher movie. Um, but they do add in some like meta elements in X, you know, referencing like other horror movies that have come out, like Psycho in particular, they talk about. Um, but all in all, I, I highly recommend this one. I think it's a really good watch as a if you're a horror fan, there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't watch this. And even if you're not a fan of horror, I think the performances from everyone, the actual story itself, the cinematography, the incredibly eerie score that is playing throughout the vast majority uh, majority of this movie makes it totally worth a watch. Ty West is the director and I don't believe I've seen any of his other movies, but again, he did a really, really awesome job on this one. And um, yeah, I, I really loved it. I really loved it. It's uh, it's up there in some of my, uh, one of my favorite movies that I've watched this year, I would say. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. And I've watched Simon. You want to know how many movies I've watched this year? Sure. 24 movies so far. That's cool. You write them down in a note in notes, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Th there's an app. I oh, I should talk about it next week. Uh, Letterboxd. Yeah. It's Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to make, I want to make a Letterboxd. We should do it. Yeah. Okay. Let's we should do use it. it. I'm going to do it right now. I think we should use that because I feel like that's way better than what we, what you've been doing. And I, mm -hmm. and I haven't been recording how many movies I watch each year, but I always, I always recall it's like a it's a it's a memory of mine. Anytime we go to see a movie, I instantly see you pull out your phone and go to that note. Mm -hmm. It's just, just uh, kind of funny, but yeah, you 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 always do that every time. And I feel like Letterbox might be a little better just because you can rate each movie as well. It's true. So you can create like a like a, a rating, and it can I think it even suggests films to you that you haven't maybe seen that are similar to the ones you've rated highly. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got to do that. Letterbox. Yeah. And just download the app. Uh, yeah, cool. That's great to great to hear. You enjoyed it very much. Mm, yeah. Um, and then real quick, I don't want to uh, talk about it too long because you talked about it quite a bit last week. But I watched Turning Red. It's real good, really good. Oh, you did. Yeah. You did watch it because it wasn't listed here, and I I was gonna just call you out. That was my next thing I was gonna say to you. Yeah, I did watch it. I just didn't want to talk about it in length because uh, you talked about it uh, quite a bit last week. But really good. I love it. I think it's 
really funny, wholesome, heartfelt. Um, it's nice to see all these like Canadian references sprinkled throughout it. It's, you know, coming of age story. You are 100% right. Like I love these sort of movies, these coming of age stories. Yeah. Um, it's really adorable. And, uh, I, I really, really loved it. And Pixar just continually knocks it out of the park. And again, you mentioned this last week, but it begs the question, why are all these Pixar movies going straight to streaming? It's the stupid. Past, what three or was it four movies have like gone straight to streaming? I don't it know, four, uh, three, right? This movie, Soul. Soul was the first one. Um, Soul, Luca. Soul, Luca, and this movie, right? Yeah. Is there another one we're, we're missing? I think, oh, Pixar's My Dad's a Pair of Pants. I think that did that come to theaters. theaters. Yeah, and then went yeah. straight, like, very soon after to streaming because COVID started yeah. ravaging the world. Yeah, it was unfortunate. But, yeah, yeah initially went to theaters for, like, a week or so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it is unfortunate. But, yeah, the music in that, man, the animation – Mm-hmm. it's crazy it's really good turning red dude yeah on yeah the fur <laughs> it's uh god it's it, it's remarkable it's remarkable it, it is it is really good the thing we didn't talk about last week but we talked about it a few weeks ago for turning red too is that turning red is directed by domi shi who directed mm-hmm. bow which was probably my favorite pixar short that i've seen i've seen i feel like a lot of them at this point either on disney plus or before a movie starts um but uh, yeah, Domi Shi is Canadian, mm-hmm. which is neat. Obviously, I feel like that was obvious, and she kind of told a story that was a bit more personal. And I, I, I don't know. I just really appreciate that aspect, and I appreciate the fact that Pixar and Disney kind of let her run with it mm-hmm. uh, and kind of do her thing in Toronto, even though it may not be super relatable if you're not yeah. a young Asian girl. But that's true. <laughs> so ridiculous. And honestly, <laughs> but, I, uh, I I never felt more like a young Asian girl in my life. Um, compared to when I was watching that movie, I was like, I relate to this so much. I think it was Domi. She said in an interview, in an interview or something, but you mentioned that like she took she took influence from like Lizzie McGuire, and I mm-hmm. got that. I am like, yes, I see this. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't quite place it. Even the way the movie starts, like right out of the gate, the way that the uh, the main character is dancing, mm-hmm. it like so quickly in like these weird weird like quick cuts around the 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 title sequence. There's something about that. It's just, it's so playful and excited, excitable. And I feel like, um, I don't know, it's pretty awesome. I, I just feel like the whole movie is, is really good. It yeah, was it feel good for sure. And um, somebody came up to me the other today or the other day and was like, what about uh, Turning Red? Eh? There's, there's all this controversy with it because it's like, you know, it's about like a girl going into like womanhood or whatever. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know that. That did you see an article about that? Because I did not wow. see. No. You know, because their parents are afraid to show their children this. It's like it's too adult for them. They're afraid oh. to show. Oh yeah. Well, I didn't see an article. I saw like some people reviewing it, um, being like, "This is, th- yeah, like this. You shouldn't show your kids this because it's teaching our kids to like disobey." their parents and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't Oh, that. not about that part. I'm talking uh, about like the obvious, like the, t- like the title is turning red. Oh yeah. Like, like the, the getting their period. Of, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I didn't want to spoil it, but I feel like I was already spoiling it by dancing around the subject mm-hmm. and it just made me sound like I was embarrassed to talk about it. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Grow up, yeah, Simon. right. Grow up. Is that aspect of like the being about the her period and all that? And I feel like people like what didn't want their kids to see it. Like parents didn't because they were they're like, how dare they cross this line before we do it or whatever? I don't know. It just doesn't. It seems ridiculous. 
Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I just muted my mic because the, the, the bell is tolling. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Either remove the clock from the room. It's like I'm talking to no one sometimes. I'm just like talking and you're muting the mic because the clock is embarrassing you. It's not embarrassing me. If you don't want the clock to embarrass you, you could just remove it or mute that baby. I'm not embarrassed. You're embarrassed about talking about periods, you weirdo. No, I'm not. I am not. But anyways, yeah, did you I, did you see, you didn't see anything about that, I guess. Because again, somebody t- told me that. I'm like, I literally saw no review about that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like the parents TV council or, or something, you know it's what awesome. I mean? Like we talked about last week, if they'd have a problem with it because it's anyways, yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. I don't want to get into, but, but anyway, it's a great movie. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney Plus. You should watch it, audience. Yeah. Unless you can't relate to a young Asian girl, in which case, definitely don't watch it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Okay, Adrian, anything else you watched this week? Anything else? Um. Yeah. Well, like not not like movie or TV show wise. Like I watched a trailer for a new TV show that's coming. Simon, did you watch the new trailer for the Miss Marvel TV show? Question mark. Yes, I did. I did indeed. I knew you did. You have it written down here. What'd you think? I liked it actually quite a bit. I thought it was really cute and exciting. Like I don't. Like, I don't know, I, I can relate to a young um, <laughs> Middle Eastern girl um, fairly easily. So I, I really, oh. yeah, I, I thought, right. like, I could, I really enjoyed what, what this trailer was showing. I thought it was cute. It was very childlike. It's colorful. It's bright. It's eye-popping. Um, I think, you know, uh, I, I forget the young young lady's name. It's Velmana, something like that. I might be wrong. I'm not going to even try. I could look this up. I don't, <laughs> pretty sure it's not Velmana. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's find out, Miss Marvel. I, I feel like once you once you venture into it, that's why I started going deep into the concept of the period because I'm like I have to defend myself now after I beat around the bush yeah. like an idiot. Iman Velani. Yeah. Yeah. Jinx. Um. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought this was kind of cute. Like it, it's very bright and colorful. It it seems like it's going to be a lot more um, like happy go lucky. Um. Kind of like I guess the mm. Hawkeye series was. And, you know, it seems like it's mm. going to be a coming-of-age story, which I am a sucker for. Um, you sure are. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I liked it. It didn't show too much uh, in this trailer. But, again, I'm I'm definitely interested. I, I definitely feel like I'm – well, I'm going to watch it for sure. And I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to enjoy what they're going to do. What did you think, man? What did you think? Hashtag disappointed. <gasps> disappointed! Oh, my God. Is it because you're racist? <laughs> no. Definitely <laughs> okay. not. You know what's um interesting? Um, the Avengers game. I'm sorry to Ken Kenneth Saddlebauer. By the way, thank you for to Kenneth Saddlebauer, Saddlebauer for writing into us. I didn't say yeah. that earlier. I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, but Kenneth Saddlebauer, uh, I'm, I apologize for talking about video games again. But uh, the Avengers video game by Square Enix, not well regarded. People do not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason people don't like it is because it's a tale of two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one side, it's an amazing single player storyline. And for whatever reason, you can barely play the single player bit with a, like a partner. So you like literally have to play through like 10 to 15 hours on your own, which is kind of odd because it's literally a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's very, very grindy. It's, an, it's a type of game in which you continually play the same missions over and over and over again so you can get loot, so you can level up. And it's just – the grind is literally – it's a monotonous nonsense. But I did listen to podcasts while I played it, so I enjoyed that part. But you can pretty much play through the entire storyline out of the gate and not really worry about the grind at all. 
And the main character of that plot line for the Avengers game, just called Avengers, not Avengers Miss Marvel, Marvel or anything like that. Main character is actually Miss Marvel, Mm-mm. which I really appreciated because it's done so well. Miss Marvel, um, they go, they, they kind of delve into the concept that she's, of course, Muslim, and that's an important part of the character. And, and they, but they dive into the the idea that she's a fan of the Avengers and she's this huge fan of Captain America and Thor and you know Captain Mar- obviously obviously Captain Marvel and she's just such a fan of of those characters and she's so upbeat and positive and optimistic like almost throughout like the entire game and it's just like this very relatable person because she's a mm-hmm. fan of obviously the reason somebody might play the Avengers game is because they're a fan of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So she's very, you know, positive in that light and she's very relatable because we're fans watching the Avengers and she's a fan. So I love that character and I think that she's probably the highlight of that game. And if if somebody's thinking, should I play the Avengers game? I got it for free from Game Pass or whatnot, or whatever it may be, and you get it for free or you can buy it for 20 bucks, I think it's worth it to just play that 15-hour storyline because it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. It's very funny and charming and the voice acting is really good. So I'm just going to stop there for a second, say that character is awesome, and then move on to the the trailer, the Miss Marvel trailer for the Disney Plus show is not good. It's genuinely, there's, it's just not a good trailer in a bunch of ways. It's a trailer though. Let's just put that, you know, take this with a grain of salt. It is a trailer. Yeah. Which means that the actual show could be better than this. But to me, the visual effects, uh, I think of them as being pretty cheap. I saw that there's like a, this like she wears this wristband in it, and she I guess gets powers from that, which is not her powers in the comic, but I get it. They changed that fine. Yeah, I think so. I think the main reason they're changing her powers, uh, sorry to interrupt, but is because like she has like super stretchy powers, like she's like a stretchy yeah, person. Yeah, and beginning and beginning, I believe they call it. Yeah, and I think the reason they want to kind of avoid those powers is because yeah. they we they are bringing in the Fantastic Four, and I think it's just a little bit too close to um you know, Mr. Fantastic. Okay. So they don't want like two stretchy people at the same time. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. So yes. So they were removing that because of that. So they sw- switched their powers to be powers with a capital P and an exclamation point. That Probably my least favorite powers of any superhero ever. Um, I If you have all the powers. Mm. <laughs> oh, you can do whatever you think you want to do. Oh, you want to you wanna make a big fist and punch someone? Okay, cool. Oh, you want to make the floor just walkable? Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't like that, and I don't like Superman because he's invincible and can fly and has the ability to shoot lasers out of his eyes and blow frost breath and move at the speed of sound or whatever. Like, what can't he do at that point? It's very Green Lantern. Um, like it those- is Green Lantern a little yeah. bit too. Yeah. So that's a weird choice already, but I can look past that. I was just talking about the bracelet being cheap. It looks mm-hmm. cheap, and the powers look cheap. It looks to me, honestly. Like Stargirl. That's what the show looks like to me. The whole trailer, everything about it, it just reminds me of a CW series. Mm. It, it legitimately does. And I don't know why, what's going on. And even, just take everything else. What did they show in this trailer? Almost nothing. Disney is so annoyingly showing too many plot points in every show and movie trailer that they've been launching lately, or at least a lot of them, like Spider-Man No Way Home revealed too much. That's Sony, but still related very, very closely because Doctor Strange, et cetera. And you also have like Shang-Chi showed Wong and uh, Abomination unnecessarily. It was just a, what a why? Why did you do that? There's nothing shown in this. There's no villains shown in this. The villains that they kind of showed was like this, there was this weird smoke effect. 
I watched this trailer like three, four times because I was like, am I missing something? Because I just don't like this and I just don't know what, what it is about this that makes it look so cheap. Like the smoke effect around the, the, I guess the villains walking out of like this corridor in the middle of a, like some dark alleyway. I was like, I don't understand what that was. And I thought maybe it was like, oh, it's, it's stylized. And I'm like, I don't think that part of the trailer was stylized. They changed the tone of the trailer at that point. And if those are the villains, who are they? And what's their point? What's their purpose? Are they going to be another nameless, purposeless villain? Like, I just don't know. I, I feel like, I don't know. I just can't, I don't know. I don't love it. Mm. There's, it's, it's, it's a lackluster. I think that Villani, like Iman Villani was kind of charming in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of it being a coming of age story in the Marvel universe. That looks good. But the cheapness of the trailer, I can't look past that. And I'll just say one last thing. The ambiguing powers suit Miss Marvel's personality quite well because it's such a goofy power. It looks so goofy. I love it. It's so cool. She's just like this goofy person who's just so optimistic and so upbeat and so, you know, with like such a fan of the Avengers and she's got this weird stretchy power where she can just become really big and like hit people with like this giant fist. It's just, it's cute almost. Her powers are the cutest powers, especially in the Avengers game, which compared to the other characters, mm-hmm. it was always interesting to see her powers. It's fun to play them. They're so well animated in that game. And I just, I find that they fit her character so well in a way that a lot of, I don't know, I feel like a lot of Avengers characters kind of fit their powers, but I feel like she fits them almost the most. And so this obscureness of these powers of like she can kind of do whatever she thinks of it's just i don't know it's just it's another superhero film movie thing that i just i don't know i've seen enough cw shows to be interested this the league of i was gonna say league of legends <laughs> legends of tomorrow is kind of mm-hmm. what it looks like to me but anyways i ranted for too long there it's just i watched this trailer many times trying to love it i try to love it but i just think this might be the first uh, Disney show that I'm like, ooh, 60% of Rotten Tomatoes, maybe. But we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I'm curious. I'm curious. I feel like uh, you're going to have like that typical... Uh, it's tough on something like this, where like I imagine you can have like legitimate like criticism, but there's going to be yeah. that like influx of of people that are just like racist and... You know, like, I know oh, that's the this, problem. I, yeah, it, it's hard to criticize stuff like that. I know that's why I prefaced it with the Avengers game being that's mm-hmm. such a cool character. She's so cool, and she's just oh man, that performance in that in that game too, so good. I just loved playing that that story. I just wanted to keep going back in because I just thought she was so interesting, and that was the that was the most interesting thing again about the Avengers game is that storyline is just is quite good for a game that people really critically panned. People do not like that game at all. But I, they don't give the plot line enough credit because they're all the other garbage. Because like I paid, played what, 15 hours of the storyline and I, I, I kid you not, I spent I think 120 hours in total in that game. Mm. Damn. In contrast. So think about the ratio there. Yeah. <laughs> not good. Considering that was uh, the rest of it just grindy nonsense. And uh, that's, that's my own problem because I, I like platinum in games. Mm. But I was listening to the podcast while I played that and whatever. But anyway. Damn. You listener can listen to us while you play the Avengers game. You can do it. Yeah, be yeah. good. But you're you're right though. That's what I kind of worried about thinking critically about this trailer is that I, I didn't want to. I don't know. I I, I I don't think you should be should have to worry about coming off as racist to criticize a, a trailer's lacklusterness. But even mm-hmm. the graphics, like the way they showed the speech bubbles, I was like, what are you doing with that? It just oh, doesn't like look that. like. I like it, but it's not well animated at all. Mm. 
The best thing about the trailer, legitimately, is literally the pen clicks at the beginning. That's the best thing about it. Because it's perfectly timed with the music, with uh, the weekend's uh, music. And I feel like that part was awesome. Um, other than that, it kind of, like, I was like, ooh, I'm liking this when they started that. Because it starts right in the beginning of the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of goes into these weird, I don't know, it just doesn't show enough. Considering they show everything. <laughs> they just want to show everything. And then they show the powers. And it's like, ooh, I don't know if you should have showed these powers. Because I'm just not interested. Yeah. You didn't see the bracelet and think, oh, that's a piece of plastic? Uh, not really. Like, I mean, I mean, I can kind of see it. I I wasn't being super critical. I was just like, this looks really cute and fun. But you know what also does everything kind of in a weird way? Like they can do lots of things. And there's also a ring on your wrist. The 10 rings. Like, I don't, you're still Mm. kind of merging the two things. Like in the Suicide Squad, John Cena's character and um, isn't it? I think it's Idris Elba. They they make the joke that they do the same things. Mm -hmm. Literally in the thing, you could just do that with, Captain, whatever, Mr. Fantastic. Like, it's not a big deal. They're not going to, how often is Mr. Fantastic going to be in the same, like, vicinity? Screen, on the same screen, yeah, vicinity as Miss Marvel. Probably not often. I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I, I just think, I, I, I bet you're right. I, like, I, I'm sure that's correct. That's the reason why they changed it. But it's like, mm-hmm. really? I, I thought that the reason why they removed it, but oh, this doesn't really make any sense, but they didn't want to go the Inhumans route. So, like, they're changing the backstory. She's an Inhuman. That's why she's able to do that. That's why she has the powers in the first place. It's the storyline that they follow in uh, the Marvel's Agents of Shield show, and that they go the they they take a long plot uh, like story arc on the Inhumans, mm-hmm. and they didn't maybe want to do that again because they're probably trying to go through X Men. Like what I'm trying to say is the X Men storyline and the Inhumans aren't completely different. There's a there's some similarities between those two kind of marvel properties in some ways so it's like almost like she's like merging into x-men and into the fantastic four and they didn't want to do that yet because they have plans for it so that's maybe what's going on but anyways i'm sorry i've gone off on oh don't, don't apologize man do i want it to be amazing yeah yes i, I think so i think so yeah. i do i i want them to completely prove me wrong but does this trailer amaze me no like moon knight is like that's a trailer that's coming up soon, man. That's a that's a like what? Just over a week away? A week and a bit away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I also want to like I like again what you said. Uh, a uh, coming of age story, yeah. amazing. Just like Coda, which I watched <gasps> this week as well. Yeah, that was well planned <laughs> segue. <laughs> Coda, um, or child of deaf adults, mm-hmm. in other words, is a Apple TV Plus series. That is a Oscar-nominated Best Picture movie. Sorry, did I say series? Yeah. Uh, Best Picture movie um, that is uh, is directed by Sean Hader, I believe her, her name is pronounced, her header. Sean Hader, uh, S-I-A-N, I believe it's pronounced Sean Hader. Uh, and it's just such an amazing movie. Oh, my goodness. It's oh. my favorite movie of 2021. I'll just oh, say really? that out of the gate. Yeah, it's Damn. so good. It's so surprising. I can't even believe it. I, I was shocked. I went in thinking, I got to watch this movie. It's on Apple TV Plus. I have an Apple TV Plus subscription. I may as well just watch this movie and uh, in half. Like I'll, I'll watch it 
half and then I'll watch the next half at dinner time or whatever. I'll, I'll just, I'll space it out. It was my day off. I'm like, I want to play video games and uh, I could, you know, I'm eating something. So I may as well watch something. So let's just start Coda and stop it and then start again later. I do that occasionally. I did that with The Shining. I don't feel like it, it, it changed my opinion of The Shining when I watched it for the first time, whatever, five years ago or whatever. I was like, oh, it, it didn't change my opinion. And I, I love The Shining. And I thought, let's do it with this. I literally couldn't put this thing down. It was like reading a, a really good book oh. or something. I just couldn't stop the movie. It was so enthralling. And it, again, it's a coming of age story, like incredible acting. Troy Kotzer is also nominated for best supporting actor. But basically it's about this, um, this kid named Ruby, uh, who's a high school student, I believe in grade 12. And she lives with deaf parents and a, a deaf brother. Um, and she's like the only one, hence the name child of death, deaf adults she's mm-hmm. the only one that can hear and and she's interpreting constantly to and from american sign language for her family but she goes to school and it's this concept of like how kids of course because kids are mean how they treat her because her family is deaf and and this kind of like the story of this girl who does so much, like she's working with her family because she's got to do, uh, she's got to interpret for them. Um, when she, like they, they're actually a fisher fisherman kind of family. They're her brother and dad. They go out on a fishing boat cause they live in Massachusetts and they, they fish, um, as a, as a job, as an occupation. And she goes out with them every morning at like three, four in the morning, which is wild. And then she, goes to school and it's just like she's just so hardworking and it's it's so interesting it's just such a great story in general and it's done so well and competently obviously i kind of went into this i shouldn't say obviously but i went into this with this concept that it might be like sound of metal mm-hmm. and that's very i feel like it's very almost an ignorant way to look at it potentially but i thought well it's gonna it might be a bit depressing because a lot of these oscar nominated movies like sound of metal actually honestly just to be honest last year's Oscar-nominated films were incredibly depressing, almost all across the board. I don't know if you recall that, yeah, but this I, year's not like that at all. I don't know if you find that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like all the movies that I watched this year that are the best picture noms. Let me pull that up. Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, Dune, right there. Those aren't depressing. They're different. They're they're mm-hmm. one to thriller, I guess. Licorice Pizza is definitely not depressing, and Dune is definitely not as either. Like, yeah. if you look at the others as well, like uh, Drive My Car is a little bit for sure. That one's definitely sad. It's melancholy. I find that this year's, like if you look at the the lineups for both years, it's almost like a representation of our years. And that last year was just really a downer because everyone, we were like deep into COVID. And now I feel like people are tired of it and we're kind of coming out of it and the pandemic life is kind of ending. And, um, but this movie kind of struck me two ways to be kind of, sad one was the sound of metal connection and then the other one was manchester by the sea which it's the same color palette because it takes place i believe they both take place in massachusetts i think but anyway uh that movie was also quite sad and depressing and the way it starts i was like instantly like oh yeah here we go but the way it's shot there's a various like drab it's very very dark in terms of it's like it's kind of a very rainy atmosphere area and so i was like okay i'm curious what this is going to be i know it's going to be amazing let's see how, how it goes Again, I cannot put it down. I went from laughing to crying uh, within like five minutes. It felt like watching a Pixar film at times. I was so surprised. And uh, like 
yeah, I just thought like everyone was just so enthralling in it. Like the acting is so good as well. Like um, we got Amelia Jones, who I've not, not seen in anything. And she's just so amazing. Uh, Troy Coster obviously was nominated. Marlique Matlin's amazing. Daniel Durant uh, his, plays her brother. Eugenia Derbez plays like a teacher in, uh, at her school. And he's also really, really good. Um, yeah, I just – I thought the pacing was just so good. Like the, the way the story – like goes in terms of its pacing and the way, mm-hmm. again, they handle their subject matter in such a respectfully and kind of humorous way. It doesn't try to kind of uh, dive too deep into like the, I guess the, the struggling aspect of it, like the mm-hmm. going too, too harsh into that kind of world. They just, they treat it like these are human beings and they gave it this like really fair shake, which I really appreciated of this. Like the characters just seem so real. Ruby's relationship with her family, with her friends, with her teacher is just so real and so human. She's in a tough situation, but there's a lot of humor and um, like joy. And I, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. And I, it's probably maybe one of my favorite movies. I don't know. I, I, I really like it. I don't know. It's too early to say. I don't want to say that after having only seen it like a few days ago, but... I really do like it a lot. Like I'm surprised. I don't, I don't want to hype it up too much for you because you might see it and then uh, and hate not it. like it. I, just because even like watching Nomadland as an example last year, it's like these Oscar nominated films sometimes they just don't feel at all like an easy watch. Not necessarily that that's a bad thing. You can have a movie that's relatively depressing that's absolutely incredible like Nomadland. It's the same color palette actually as Nomadland I feel like too. And, oh. and it's like I just, I just felt like I don't know. I, 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 I was like, when I went into Nomadland, I'm like, oh, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, I'm not sure. But going into Nightmare Alley, seeing the trailers, I was like, okay, this is going to be something. I don't think I've seen a single trailer for this. I just wasn't prepared for how, what, a, what a journey this was going to take me on. And uh, again, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I, I'm going to yeah. check it out. I'll probably watch it this week. I mean, the what Oscars are next week, right? Yeah, through next week. Mm. So I'm sure we'll cover the Oscars um, on next week's episode. So I'll try to get this watched. And then I want to watch Power of the Dog. I haven't seen King Richard yet, nor have I seen um, Belfast. But right. those two movies don't really interest me too much. But uh, Coda and Power, the Power of the Dog are, are the two that I'm just like, yeah, I got to watch these. But Coda, I just checked. It's like only an hour and like 50 minutes. So not too long, which is nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, King Richard would be the one I would see. That's the one I'm most interested in. Belfast, mm-hmm. I'm probably the least interested in. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's amazing. But again, Belfast is another one of those ones. Like Nomadland, it's just, well, that's even in black and white. But it's like, you just get this feeling that it's just going to be this like heavy movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what Belfast what, like is about. But I remember like watching those trailers. And I'm like, damn, this just looks sad. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe it's just because it is black and white who knows maybe it's like a super uplifting positive movie um but yeah like it could be like "Mm, i don't like i don't like how i feel yeah yeah king richard looks like an inspiring story because it's about uh, venus and serena williams and i Mm -hmm. just think that their story is pretty inspirational so i'd imagine it's going to be pretty pretty great yeah i had no idea that will smith was their father that's crazy too do you also have issues with other movies you know, in the in the difference between reality and fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the time. Did you uh, did you get really upset when you saw uh, Lena Headey walking down the street? Mm-hmm. I did. You heard about that though, right? That's a, yeah, I know. I feel bad. So I, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, obviously, I'm being facetious, but it's it's wild that like some people just can't differentiate fiction from reality. 
and they yeah. and they just like take out their anger on these individuals even like just again like we, we've talked about it before like with the last jedi for like rose tico like kelly marie tran right did i pronounce it, Is it yeah no that's yeah okay cool. kelly marie tran yeah yeah i, I don't know why i thought there was a rose in there somewhere that's her name because that's her character yep that's her character's name oh my god i can't separate it from reality simon uh, but, <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah like how she was literally just cyber bullied and then um they took her out That's of the shit movie, that fucking shitty it's, ass goddamn movie. Fuck that movie, Rise of Skywalker. Remember that movie? It's so messed up. Yeah. It's so messed up that they took her out of that. It's just like, where is your stance? I don't know. Disney, I, I don't want to talk about this because this gets real political for sure. It literally is politics. But Disney's stance on like the that bill that was passed and like people, like there's that whole like mm-hmm. Outrage about that, and it's like I don't get it. Like, what does Disney actually stand for? I'm a little confused. Well, dude, even like you know, even how they pretty much like took Finn out of the posters when they released Star Wars in China, or like made him like way smaller. It's just like, dude, like the fuck you guys doing? It's pretty lame. Yeah, it's that's messed up. The the Rose Tico thing was really really. When I saw that, I was shocked. Mm -hmm. I think I I swear it's one of those moments. I looked around. (laughs) I feel like I watched it. I'm like, what? Did you just see this? She's sidelined in the first like five minutes of the movie. You should come with us. I got things to do. Leave me alone is what she said. And then walks off. Off. She has less screen time than uh, Charlie from Lost. Yeah. And why was he even in it? I don't yeah, even know, know what his character is about at all. Why was he in it at all? He <laughs> just replaced his character and make it her. Yeah. Uh, no, it's disrespectful. That was like a whole level of disrespect. I honestly, I wonder, and I don't blame her for this because I mean, mm-hmm. it's a Star Wars movie, but I wonder if I was her, if I would just not be in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, nope, I, I'm good. I'll set this one out. Thanks. Yeah. I'm sure they paid her like very well. Like, to, yeah. Even for that scene. So maybe you do it. And, and I, again, uh, again, I don't blame her. I yeah. completely understand oh, why she did it. But I just, I wonder because I just, I, I, I just feel this like anger that this happened. Mm-hmm. That I would Maybe. wonder if it was you know, if I was in her position, which I just can't be because I've also I feel like I feel like the part of the reason she was in that position is because she's Asian mm-hmm. because of the elements of potential racism in the scenario, which is also terrible. I know, and I'm a very white man, so that's the other problem with, with this whole situation. But if I was in her spot, I'd be like, "All right, yeah, it's fine, thanks." Yeah. It's like why I mean, why don't you want to be in it? It's like now just be in Rye the La- in the Last Dragon. Thank you. It's okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So good. Uh, yeah, at least she did that. She was great in that movie as well. So yeah, I'm she glad, was. I'm glad that, that she's still like getting roles and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I hope she that continues. I, I haven't seen anything that she's going to be in next, but mm-hmm. anyway. But anyways, I, I sidetracked. Coda is amazing. Anyone who has the ability to watch it, watch it. I, I didn't know if I was in the mood for it because again, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. But it's like it's in the same uplifting, heartfelt manner in in my opinion as Ted Lasso, oh. and it's just. That's kind of what I would. I wouldn't connect it to Ted Lasso in any other way. Uh, also, the color palettes a little brighter on the Ted Lasso show. <laughs> but um, I just think this just it's just uh, brilliantly made. And I, I don't want to say again it's my favorite movie of all time or something like that. That's a little silly. But I I do think that it's my favorite movie of 2021. Thinking back on all the movies we watched, th- this is obviously I watched it in 2022. Obviously, mm-hmm. but um, I I feel like of the movies that were like Oscar nominated or in- included in that potential nomination um i feel like that this is my favorite movie of that year i just yeah man i just uh, i i almost smile every time i think about it but there's like moments that again i was tear i teared up so much it reminded me of watching inside out 
I literally, that's the thing it reminded me of, like watching a Pixar movie where I'd go from laughing to crying so quickly. And it's like, how did they do this to me? How do they manage this? So anyways, I said that already, but uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And again, handles the subject matter so beautifully. It's like, wow. Chef's kiss, Adrian. Chef's kiss. Chef's ki- that's good to hear, man. I, I'm excited to give it a look. Um, again, last year, there, there's actually a lot of good movies. I, I just like pulled out my little list. I'm like, the, those, that Fear Street trilogy was so damn good. I really love those. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know what? Keep naming movies that you saw to try and stump me and to make me think that it, the other movie is better. If um, throughout this episode, feel free to try, but I don't think it's going to top it. I don't think. Maybe okay. next week I'll be like, actually, it was sucked. No, I don't think so. But Harder <laughs> uh, They Fall. No, no. This is a better movie. Oh, damn. I love The Harder They Fall, though. Wow, that what a great so movie. fucking cool. That's, that's a badass movie. That was yeah. probably actually, we were going to, we were preparing a top five list or something like that for best movies we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that was my number one, Uh-oh. believe it or not, uh, when we were because you were going on vacation, so we were gonna like prepare an episode to air in the like that week that you were gone, mm-hmm. and I think that was my top one, the top thing I watched. I don't think we said movies, but we said things we watched. And Inside uh, by Bo Burnham was probably my second. I I just yeah, it's interesting, but alas, I did not watch Coda last year, <laughs> but it I think it it. I think I like it a bit more than the harder they fall, um, Coda. But anyway, it's all, it's all subjective nonsense, Adrian. Let's move on to the news, shall we? Yes. Because that's not subjective until we start talking about our opinions about the news, then it will be. Mm, I love the news, Simon. Let's go on to it, man. Excellent. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as followed by publication of The Hollywood Reporter, fan favorite Sith Lord, Darth Maul, was initially meant to be the big bad in the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series until Lucasfilm decided to go a different direction with the scripts and include the infamous Darth Vader instead. Darth Maul actor Ray Park was apparently already prepping for the role before the sudden change of direction. According to The Hollywood Reporter's sources, Kenobi series director Deborah Chow showed The Mandalorian producers Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau the initial scripts as a request for feedback, and they were worried that the new series was going to tread the same water that they had done with The Mandalorian series. Hmm. They also went so far as to insist that Chow go bigger with her new show. These script critiques reportedly led to the dismissal of the original Kenobi series screenwriter Hossein Amini and the eventual hiring of Army of the Dead screenwriter Joby Harold. Hmm. Filoni was also the one to suggest the return of actor Hayden Christensen's Vader and the inclusion of the Grand Inquisitor character from Filoni's own Star Wars Rebels animated series, whom can be seen in the recently released trailer for Kenobi. Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi is set for a Disney Plus premiere date of May 25th, 2022. Adrian, what do you make about these weird change-ups? Darth Maul was going to be in the Kenobi series... Now he's not going to be. Darth Vader was added instead. What uh, What are you thinking about that? Um, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds of this. So obviously, like, I haven't seen all of um, Rebels, nor have I seen all of um, the Clone Wars. And I know that they, like, Darth Maul plays, like, a pretty big role in those series. And, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Darth Maul have, like, a final duel in that show. So maybe they were worried that, hey, like, if we do this, everyone already knows the culmination of these two characters and their story. But at the same time, we also know the culmination of, of you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's story a- along with, um, you know, Darth Vader. So I don't necessarily know if that's like a fair thing to point out. 
I would have loved to see Darth Maul on on the big screen again. Like I, I want him back. He's such a cool character. And again, we talked about how they kind of set him up in uh, the Han Solo solo movie called Solo, a Star Wars story at the end of that. And how, if they could somehow tie that into this Obi-Wan Kenobi series, that would have been sweet, but obviously we're not getting that. Now I am happy that they are bringing Invader though, and that they're bringing back Hayden Christensen. And I was kind of thinking, you know, why bring back Hayden Christensen directly? You know, like he's, he, never he's not even vader's voice right that's uh james earl jones and stuff like that so why is hayden christensen back and then i was kind of thinking maybe they brought him back because they're gonna do some flashbacks to you know like what happened you know prior to revenge of the sith you know what i mean and and we're gonna have like young anakin and and young obi-wan again just doing going off on an adventure and they're, they're going to kind of fill in their relationship a little bit more. I would really love to see that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed to hear this, but again, I trust uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, and if it was their feedback to kind of get that out of the script and bring in, you know, Darth Vader and do these cool things then I'm more than okay with it. Honestly, I, I have full faith in what they, what their vision is. And, and if, if that was their feedback, then they're, it's probably the right choice. What do you think? Yes, I agree with that last sentiment. That's what I've been thinking. I'm thinking that Deborah Chow made some great Mandalorian, the Mandalorian episodes. Mm-hmm. So I trust Deborah Chow and I respect that she gave them the scripts because she worked with them. She collaborated with them on the Mandalorian and they seem to get it right consistently in terms of the Star Wars universe. They have not, in my opinion, had a miss yet. So for that reason... I am less worried about the Kenobi series now than I was a couple of weeks ago when I was mentioning that Joby Harold has a not the greatest track record mm-hmm. in terms of uh, critical reception, and that worries me because uh, again his his movies that he's written, especially the movie that I wrote here, uh, which is uh, Army of the Dead, is just not well written. No, I agree. Like, it's just legitimately that's the issue with that. That that movie is otherwise kind of good. I don't mm-hmm. like the writing. The dialogue makes no sense. Characters make stupid ass decisions. And it's like, I know that this is kind of a ridiculous plot line in general, but that doesn't mean your character should be making, every character should make dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. Like talk in a room while there's literally an imp- impending doom. You know, there's seconds before you might get killed and you just decide to like <laughs> have a heartfelt like release of all of your emotions to one mm-hmm. character and just like talk about something that you should be talking about when you leave a zombie infested area Mm -hmm. i just find that that's so dumb and it's just there's a lot in that movie that just just dumb decisions that just frustrated the hell of me hell out of me that just shouldn't have happened so with that being said the fact that these guys are directly involved in this i'd imagine that this is actually going to be better than i kind of was expecting or it's going to be closer to what the trailer shows which the trailer in my opinion looks pretty good and it leaves room for another character to return and that, Adrian, that character is Samuel L. Jackson's Mace Window. Oh. So. Mace Window. Yeah. He fell out the window. Yes. And I feel like he might not have been in this if Darth Maul was in it. Not sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, or maybe he would have as well. But I just feel like, I don't know, there's something about, there's something about this. I feel like Samuel L. Jackson was in an interview recently. Because mm-hmm. uh, he was, he's in this new Apple TV Plus uh, limited series called uh, The Last, I can't remember, something Ptolemy Gray, but I keep forgetting the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, he, he apparently his performance in that is amazing. 
which is awesome. It's The Last Days. Yeah, it's, it's getting really good reviews. Yeah, The Last Days of Ptolemy Ray, which is an Apple TV Plus series. So people are interviewing him for that, but they've asked him about Star Wars. And it's like, weird timing, guys. Weird mm-hmm. timing. Why not just ask him about Nick Fury or something? Why are you asking about Star Wars? I, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's in it. I think he's, I think he's coming. I don't know. It, maybe not in this series, but I think soon, if not, maybe the Ahsoka series is going to go back in time. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I don't know about the flashback thing. It's an interesting sentiment that you just made. I, I wonder if they're just going to have him with his helmet off. But uh, that's, that's a more reasonable explanation. Yeah, you may be <laughs> right, though. They might do also flashbacks, too. But they, they, keep in mind, this is literally since 2005. Mm-hmm. That's when they, like, I think they even finished in 2004 or something like yeah. that. 2003 is when they finished filming Revenge of the Sith. That's when the last time these two gentlemen were together or even in a Star Wars property, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge gap of time. They're older. And there's a, I guess you can de-age them, obviously. Well, if you could but, literally recreate Luke Skywalker, I think de-aging them isn't too much trouble. But do you think that that would be the only reason he's coming back? That's what I'm thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that wouldn't be, I think he's going to be literally wearing the suit and um, I think Darth Vader will be a force to be reckoned with and it'll be mm-hmm. interesting. Plus, it doesn't make any sense. The plot line was appo- apparently supposed to be Darth Maul searching for the Skywalkers. And it's like, what? Darth Maul? How could you have Darth Maul without Darth Vader caring about this? Obviously, Darth Vader is the one who ordered it. Mm-hmm. So Darth Vader wasn't in that version of the series. And it's like, what? that doesn't even make any sense. So I can see why they would say go bigger because it's like clearly like <laughs> you're really thinking real small. If you're including Darth Maul, but you're not including Vader, or I guess if you're not including Vader, you're not including the Emperor. So that's a weird choice. So I'm glad yeah. that they cleaned it up a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the series, though. I can't wait to to see what they've come up with. And again, I'm I think I'm on the hype train with you about Miss Mace Window coming back after he fell out the window. Yeah, we'll see. Let's not get our hopes up too much, but it would be really awesome. Oh no, dude! Hey, man, hype train, baby. Let's do it again. That ship is sailed. That ship is sailed. I'm swimming to it. Yeah. That plane is front crawl. Doing some nice breast stroke swiftly. I feel like I just made a crashing sound. I guess I'll listen to that in post and decide whether it's worth keeping in. All right. Yeah, it's fine. Number two, story number two. As reported on by Publication Variety, Netflix is now experimenting with more subtle ways to crack down on Netflix account sharing between households. As you may recall, password sharing between households is a forbidden practice by Netflix's terms of use. But according to a study completed by Advertising Research Foundation, 36% of the 10,000 Americans that took part in their study admitted to sharing a password with out-of-household relatives. With Netflix's stiff streaming competition and reduced subscriber growth, they are looking at new ways to increase revenue. In Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru, Netflix is experimenting with their pricing tiers by adding the ability for subscribers to add up to two extra non-household users for $2.99 American. At the moment, the $3 add-on is reportedly being positioned as an option given to customers who reside outside the account owner's household. In other words, they are not forcing these fees currently, but will prompt the client when the software notices a login from a remote household. Mm. Adrian, what do you make of this? I think this is really stupid. And I think Oh yeah. I think one of the reasons why Netflix became so huge was because of, you know, oh, just like share your Netflix password. So like if one one person lives in a different house or, you know, you share it with your family, you know, uh, like you as an example, like you share your Disney Plus account with myself and I, some of your family members as well. And you're paying for that service. 
So I just don't really see like it's it's interesting you say that because it's like it's part of the culture. Yeah, it's it's that ingrained. It's like Netflix and chill. Mm-hmm. There's jokes about this on multiple TV series. I feel like in in movies about sharing a Netflix password. Yeah, it's it, like they're they're gonna they're gonna change history in a weird way. If you know what I mean, because there are so many things that reference the fact that you can share Netflix passwords. Mm-hmm. Eventually, people will be like. Well, we used to be able to share Netflix passwords. That's what that reference was mentioning. Yeah, but now you got to pay $3. And I just find this so silly considering how much they've increased Netflix's price point as well. I feel like this is a wrong move by them. And I I think if anything, they're going to lose subscribers and lose revenue because of this. Because, I mean, even you've mentioned that like you're – like you've considered canceling Netflix. And if they do this, like – Honestly, maybe I will do like, again, it's already gone up. Like my my parents pay for it, which is like whatever. But I know my sister uses um, like their Netflix account as well, but she doesn't live in like our home. So I don't Uh know. Adrian, you rule breaker. I'm, I'm breaking the law, baby. But again, it's like, I just don't, I find this silly and it's definitely the wrong move. I, I really hate this. And again, I feel like Netflix is kind of shooting itself in the foot. When you're getting more and more competition, you want to make your streaming service more appealing to the masses, not less appealing. And I feel like they've just continually made these decisions to make it seem less and less appealing to be a Netflix subscriber. Hmm. Interesting. It, it's 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 neat because they again they keep increasing their price to the point where they're like one of the most expensive streaming services right now. Dude, Netflix is more expensive than Crave with HBO. Think about that. Yeah. Like HBO content arguably home box office, arguably the best content out there, you know, on TV, they release some of the most renowned television series and some like great movies. They have less content though. They do have less content, but it's quality, right? You have such amazing quality. Not that Netflix doesn't have amazing quality. Like I love Ozark as an example and stuff like that, but, but it's just, I feel like this is, it's weird. Like I understand like Netflix, I don't necessarily think has ever been considered a premium brand. It's just something that everyone has and everyone uses it. And yeah, they have a couple of really amazing shows or a bunch of really amazing shows, but they also have a bunch of shit on there. Whereas with Crave home box office, HBO, they have it's, it's catered. It's high quality content. Everything on there will have very high production values. Maybe not everything's for you, but you can't deny that everything on there is, great you know what i mean it just i find this uh foolish foolish simon yes i would agree and uh so the reasoning i you know why i I think i might have said this on an episode past why i can't cancel my netflix subscription i don't remember why i pay for my whole family I, i pay for everyone and they're outside of my household and so you know why i can't because they all use it yeah because they all use it as soon as they would decide that I would have to pay more for them. Sayonara Netflix for one month. I'll, I'll enter next month. I'll start canceling it. The only reason I don't do it is because I'm now talking for how many people. But if I, I, I don't need to watch Netflix, I can just wait for the show that for next week, I can, or next month, I can just subscribe again and just watch all the shows I need to catch up on. That's what gonna, it's going to end up being. This is a la carte, guys. The reason why people like streaming services, the reason why people stopped using Napster, you know, LimeWire, torrenting for music, 
is because Spotify and Apple Music and all of these guys, they made their prices extremely competitive. They're extremely not pricey. Mm-hmm. And they're very easy to just subscribe, use the algorithm and find way more music than you'd ever seen before for a way lower price. If Spotify doubled their price, a sayonara Spotify, mm-hmm. that's it. People are going to start pirating again. This just increasing the price as well. It just increases piracy in my opinion, unless it's increasing with inflation, but this isn't increasing with inflation. They're claiming their value is way more than it was. And they've keep increasing the price to massive levels. That's why I've been tempted to cancel it. If they decide to do this, I will cancel it one month and then come back into it another because there's no benefit for me to keep it. And that's the thing. So they can do this. I'm okay with it. My family will just have to subscribe on their own, but I'm just going to say, no, I'm not doing this. But keep in mind, they're so far not doing this. I just want to be clear. I understand what the story says. I I wrote it. (laughs) I wrote it based on the Friday article, but they're only testing this and piling it piling piloting it in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. And they're not forcing you to jump in for $3 per extra account user and in, in uh, non not the same household. They're just prompting you if you'd like to do it. So I'm curious if they're just gonna say, hey, do you want to you know live on the honor system and do this? But I'm gonna say I'm not yeah. gonna do that. Especially my family before my family's owned this Netflix subscription. That's how long Netflix has been around. We've had this Netflix subscription for for years. And we all lived in the same house when we had it. That's the funniest thing. And now we've all kind of gone our separate ways. And I took on the burden of paying for it, but it was it's the same account, which is it's a storied history that this account has. And now we live in different places, but ultimately we still have the same account. Um, but again, if you want to make me not do that, that's fine. But in the end, I mean, I guess that will help Netflix if my each of my family members then pays $20 a month, but they probably won't. My dad won't pay $20 a month. He's going to pay for the smallest tier. He doesn't care about 4K. Mm. He, he won't do it. He will not touch it. He might not even subscribe to Netflix at all. It just might not happen. So yeah. I'm curious. Like I've, I've kind of wanted to not be subscribed to Netflix. because some I go through months. I mentioned this before. I have Apple TV Plus as an app. And the Apple TV Plus app tells me every streaming service, that's another stupid non-user-friendly feature that Netflix is insisted upon is that it does not siphon their shows within the Apple TV Plus app. So if a show like, for instance, the next season of Ozark comes onto Netflix, um, the Apple TV Plus app doesn't know that, which the Apple TV Plus app knows when the next season of Peacemaker will be on uh, Mm. HBO or on Crave in, in Canada. It tells us all that information. I can search up shows, but I cannot search up Netflix shows through the Apple TV Plus app, even though it siphons and filters every other streaming service, pretty much. And that's just stupid. It's not user-friendly. It's like a weird fight you're having with Apple because you're stubborn. And it's like, I I get what you're doing. I understand you probably have to pay Apple a cut, but I just don't agree. I just think you're just, I don't know. Living a little bit up up your own ass a little bit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you're not really thinking about the customer. I'm curious. I get why you would stop this though. But I, I just find if you really want to do this like subtly, just make the, the user number from four to three. You can't have more than three people watching at the same time. Because mm-hmm. that's a that's a crazy feature, by the way. Yeah. Why why can four people be watching it simultaneously? Yeah. I don't know, like I feel like the smarter way to do this is is what Crave does, where Crave you register devices to like you, you register devices to the account 
the account to specific devices. I believe you can register one account to up to 10 devices. So that way, it's not just like you just share a password and 8,000 people use it. It'll only work on 10 devices. So I, I, if I want to watch Crave on my phone, that's one device. I have it on my PlayStation. Boom, two devices already. If I get another TV and put one in my bedroom, sweet, I'm going to put it in that TV as well. Boom, that's three devices, right? So like one user might use multiple devices depending yeah. on where they are. I think that's a far more intuitive and, uh, and better way to do that system, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Other than like prompting, making you feel guilty for for sharing your account password, which you might have had from the beginning of Netflix's inception. Yeah. And and watch the price go up every single year or every six months. It's like, I've been with you from the beginning. Are you serious? Like, I don't understand. Like, really? You're going to do this now? I don't know. I, I agree with you. Yeah, the Crave way, I, although it frustrated me when I saw it initially because Netflix do, didn't do that. I was comparing it to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to compare... Netflix and everyone else because Netflix isn't kind of Netflix is almost choosing not to be the leader anymore. Yeah. Which is interesting. Netflix was like, oh, we don't give a shit. We don't care. We're launching all our shows at once. We're gonna we're gonna let you binge them all. We're so powerful. We've got so much content. We don't care if we put the entire season of Ozark on online right away. The entire season of House of Cards. We don't care. We're so good, we don't give a shit. We want to watch it all at once, no problem. And uh, you want to you share your password with your friends and family? It's a joke. You shouldn't do that, but we don't really care. We like it. You're a subscriber. Thanks for subscribing. That's what I got the vibe. Now I'm getting this vibe like, well, we can make more money. I was like, okay. I know you guys are hurting. Like you need to make more rev, but it's like, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious how this goes. Me too, man. All right. Story number three. As announced by game developer Riot Games in a press release, Riot is bolstering their partnership with Animation Studio for Teach Production by buying a large, non-controlling stake in the studio due to the significant success of the League of Legends-based Netflix animated series, Arcane. Arcane, which is based around the lore of various League of Legends video game characters, charted to Netflix's number one series for three weeks in a row in November of 2021 and has won numerous awards for Teach had partnered with Riot for a few years prior to the launch of Arcane with the creation of various League of Legends-based music videos. In a statement, Riot CEO Niccolo Laurent said of the deal, quote, Fortiche has been an integral partner for a long time, but this agreement ensures we'll be working closely for decades to come. We hold a high bar for everyone we work with and insist they understand players deeply and focus on them relentlessly. And from day one, Fortiche has exemplified player experience first. In working with Fortiche, we collaborate to push the boundaries of what's possible and raise expectations for how games can be represented in the media. As proud as we are of Arcane, we know the best is yet to come. Unquote. Adrian, Arcane is a show you enjoy, you love it. What do you think of this relationship that Riot is bolstering with Fortiche, the animation studio? Simon, let me tell you, what I'm thinking is, is that this is great. I'm really happy about this. Because like you said, I freaking loved Arcane. I thought Arcane was an absolutely brilliant show. As someone that's not a fan of League of Legends and doesn't really know anything about the lore and everything, it was awesome to be kind of brought into this world with these characters and experience a nine-episode story that is just absolutely phenomenal. And now this kind of sets in stone that we will definitely be getting more Arcane, which I think we already knew about. They they were, you know, it ends on a cliffhanger. They're 100% coming out with another season. but 
what else are they going to come out with? What what other shows are they going to make? That animation style is so unique and beautiful and awesome to look at. I'm just very excited to see what else they can come up with. And it makes me very, very just stoked that Riot had the foresight to make this decision um, to ensure that we're going to get this amazing content going forward. I, I It's wild to say that... Um, um, what uh, Niccolo Laurent said, you know, uh, how he's super proud of Arcane, but the best is yet to come. Arcane is literally a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's 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 rated incredibly well. Is everything they're going to come out with like a hundred percent? You know what I mean? I know you, it's just kind of a statement, but Arcane was so good, and I I hope he's genuinely or they're genuinely confident about more stuff coming out because if it can be on that level of Arcane. Oh boy, man, we're we're in for a goddamn treat. What do you think, man? Yeah, I I, I think this guy's a he's blowing a bit of smoke. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. It's a little ridiculous. Arcane's won like multiple awards at the Annies, as an example. So I, I don't know. I mean, don't don't hype it up too much, Laurent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, Arcane is very good. I'm halfway through the season. I'm very slowly getting through it. I, I watch it on my break uh, at work, but I also write this podcast on my break at work. So it's like, which one I'm going to do. And I'm usually going to write the podcast first. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, I do like it a lot. I agree. The animation style is amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very stoked uh, for this. And I'm glad that they did made this purchase that they're getting, you know, like a, a good non-controlling stake. But again, that uh, we're going to get amazing content for, like they said, decades to come, Simon. Decades, man. Oh, you did say decades. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized that I read that. <laughs> I was like looking at that. I'm like, did I read decades at some yeah. point? I'm like, yeah, damn. You said decades. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Crazy. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Now onto the montage, the sequence of our show in which I briefly present this week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, according to Deadline, White Lotus star Sydney Sweeney has been cast in the Sony live-action Spider-Verse-connected film Madame Webb, alongside actor Dakota Johnson. Oh, right on. Good for Sydney Sweeney. Again, she's in Euphoria as well, which is... I'm excited to watch season two. I'm going to start that soon. Number two, according to publication Variety, Pirates of the Caribbean actor Johnny Depp will star in the animated TV series Puffins Impossible, which is being developed for Amazon and Apple TV Plus by Serbian animation studio Archangel Digital Studios. Interesting. Okay, cool. I don't know what this is about, but uh, I'll definitely look into it. Number three. As Deadline reports, the Vampire Diaries actor Paul Wesley has been cast as a young Captain Kirk for Paramount's Star Trek Strange New Worlds TV series. Man, there's a lot of Star Trek stuffs being made. There's more Star Trek stuffs than Star Wars stuffs. Crazy. Number four. As reported by Variety, Killing Eve star Jodie Comer has been cast as a sex therapy transcriber in the new HBO show from producer Adam McKay called Big Swiss. Is this that movie or show about the Lakers? Big Swiss? No. Oh. What? No, I just said what. Cast as a sex Do you think the Lakers show has a sex therapy transcriber in it? Possibly. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah, that series is called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Wow. Number five, according to Variety, White Lotus star Alexandra Daddario has been cast in AMC Network's TV series adaptation of author Anne Rice's novel Mayfair Witches. Right on. Alexandra Daddario, probably best known for a role in the hit movie, uh, 
what's that one called with the rock? You know, where everything's. <laughs> yeah, that's why she's best known from that. Yeah. Not from the thing I just told you about, but the movie you can't remember the name of. Yeah. San Andreas. Yeah, that one. It's named after the Grand Theft Auto game. It isn't. Number six. As reported by Variety, Network ABC's mockumentary-style comedy series Abbott Elementary is the most tweeted-about comedy TV series of 2022 and has officially been renewed for a second season. That's wild because I've literally never even heard of that. Abbott Elementary. Number seven. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Back to the Future star Christopher Lloyd has been cast in the third season of Disney Plus Star Wars series The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian Season 3 is currently filming in California. Hmm. Abbott Elementary is 100% on Ron Tomatoes. 12 episodes. But uh, I can't wait for Mandalorian Season 3. Hmm. Number eight. As reported by Variety, Netflix is making a Kung Fu Panda TV series with actor Jack Black, set to reprise his role as the panda himself, Poe. Right on. Uh, Kung Fu Panda's great, actually. I really love that movie. The second one's pretty good, too. I don't know if there was a third one. Number nine. As Variety reports, Only Murders in the Building star and producer Selena Gomez is developing a Peacock comedy series adaptation that is set to be called 15 Candles and is based around the famous 1984 John Hughes film 16 Candles. Oh, I, I just watched 16 Candles a couple weeks ago, which is really great. And I like Selena Gomez. And I imagine it's going to be about like a quinceanera. Number 10, as Deadline reports, the Tigers Are Not Afraid film director Issa Lopez and Moonlight film director Barry Jenkins are both working on a TV series offshoot for HBO's True Detective called True Detective Night Country that is set to take place in the Arctic. Oh, interesting. I still haven't watched any True Detectives. Oh, I thought you saw the first season for some reason. No. And that concludes the montage. Montage. No, I did not watch True Detective. Okay, Adrian, what do you got for me, buddy? What do you got for me? Simon, I got new releases for you, and there ain't many. So I'm going to rapid fire through these. Are you ready? There's only five. Whoa, that's low. Yeah, there's only five that I saw. Okay. That I could find, that I could corroborate that they were releasing. And honestly, one of these, I couldn't even find showtimes for really so i, I just added it because i wanted to talk about it briefly but anyways i'm gonna get right into it this is for the week of march 21st to march 27th that's a monday to a sunday as it, it regularly is i'm gonna start with thursday march 24th there's a movie coming out called love like the flying petals it's a mm. netflix original japanese love story following a photographer and a hairstylist simon okay mm-hmm. now the next few movies are all coming out on friday march 25th the first one is a movie called Topside. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app, and this is a video-on-demand movie about a mother and her daughter that live among a community that lives underground in an abandoned subway tunnel but are then chased out by, I imagine, authorities, Simon. But the mother mm. will do anything to keep her daughter safe and to keep her daughter mm. with her as well because she's mm. a junkie, homeless lady that lives underground. And I imagine... Is she a junkie? Yeah. It's referenced in the trailer. Oh. Yeah. They're like, you're a, you're a goddamn junkie. One of, the, one of the people say in the trailer. I watched the trailer for this. I was kind of thinking it was, the, it was a similar plot line, but with tunnels instead of the wilderness to that movie we saw with Ben Ooh. Foster. Yeah. Uh, fuck, what's it called? You didn't love that movie, though, if no. I recall. I really liked it. Leave No Trace. Yeah. I didn't love it. I thought it was a brilliant movie. It was like, a, like I said brilliant, but I, I meant to say something else. I don't know why I say brilliant. Did I say brilliant? You did say brilliant, yeah. Sorry, I, I, meant to, I don't remember what I was going to say. It's a very good movie, though. It's also 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, to be clear. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, stars Ben Foster and 
Thomas and McKenzie in the first role. I feel like I've seen her in. Yeah, so. that was definitely the first role I saw her in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Simon. Anyways. It is brilliant. I don't know why I hesitated on the word brilliant. My mind is becoming a little fuzzy. It's been a long work day and mush. we're wrapping this podcast up mm-hmm. we're near the end so i'm just my brain is all all fuzzy fair enough fair enough anyway simon you are not my mother that's for sure yeah you are not my mother is the next movie actually <laughs> uh this is confirmed my movie insider on the apple tv app this is a video on demand movie about a teenage girl's mother that goes missing only to return soon after but is acting all kinds of whack simon oh damn so i presume the teenage girl is like you're not my mom you're not my mother. Hmm. You are not my mother, she, she exclaims. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, next up. Oh, sorry. Hmm. Yes. That's what I said. Literally. Oh, You're going to stop for that shit? I didn't hear you. Anyways, Everything and Everywhere All at Once is the next movie coming out. That looks great. Yeah, this is confirmed by Movie Inside on the Apple TV app. This is a video on... Dem- oh, I wrote video on demand movie, but that's wrong. It's a theatrical release. Now... Uh, again, there's no theaters near us playing it, unfortunately, that I could find. But hopefully we get it soon because this looks really good. I thought this is coming out in April, man. Maybe maybe it is April. Maybe I'm wrong. But everything online said that it was – everything online says March 25th. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. You might be right. Let me see. I don't know why I thought that. I think. Oh, you know what it is? I think I looked at the Cineplex website because it says the initial re- release is March 11th. Hmm. So that's automatically wrong what you just said because <laughs> you said everything says that it's releasing on March 25th. Well, not everything because you're just typing it into Google. It gives you March 11th. Well, So automatically that's not true. Well, Rotten Tomatoes says March 25th. Movie Insider says March 25th. Uh, M.the-numbers.com, the most reliable source on the internet, says March 25th. Anyways, looks great. I'm excited for it. I think Cineplex says April 1st, opening Friday, April 1st. Okay. I'm going to move this to next week then, okay? Just edit this part out and automatically edit in, uh, excuse me, into next week's video, okay? Or movie. What? Comment and podcast. What are you talking about? This portion, this entire conversation that we just had about everything and everywhere all at once. Edit this out of this week's episode. Just save it. No. And clip it in next week. I'm not doing that. That's fair. You know what? That seems like a lot of work, and I apologize for even- uh, And also stop burping mid- mid-sentence as well. Did I burp? Yes. You don't know you burped? I don't remember, yeah. If it did, it just snuck. Snuck out. It sneaked out. It snuck out? You paused. Mm. I don't remember. It's quite rude. That's all I'm saying. Agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, okay. Anyways, the final movie that's coming out this week is The Lost City. This is confirmed by theaters. It's coming to theaters. Um, and this is Sandra and Channing on an, on an, on an adventure, Simon. Yes, I saw this. This does not interest me. Yeah, me neither. Looks like. I mean, it could be good. Could be. Wasn't this the movie that was supposed to be Sandra Bullock and um, what's his name? Army Hammer? Maybe. <laughs> I feel like this is the movie. It's possible. Actual cannibal Army Hammer. Maybe it wasn't Sandra Bullock. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Oh, I never mentioned this, but I actually went with my parents to watch uh, Death on the Nile like a couple, like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Like on, uh, it was like a Sunday night or something. It's like a week. Yeah, I guess two weeks ago. Two weeks on Sunday. No, I'm wrong. All right. Army Hammer was supposed to be uh, in a movie called Shotgun Wedding mm. with Jennifer Lopez. Interesting. So nothing, not even connected yeah. to this at all. Uh, yeah, actual Cannibal Army Hammer was in uh, Death on the Nile. Yes, he was. It's was fine. He, was he good? Eh, it was okay. Yeah. I didn't love it. 
I feel like I liked Murder on the Orient Express more. But it wasn't bad. Honestly, I felt like that movie was fine as well. I was like, that was fine. That's yeah. when I left the movie theater. Yeah, it's nothing remarkable. Because murder mysteries go like knives out much better as like a, a movie that's kind of yeah. within the last two years. The Scream movies. The Scream movies as well. Really good. Because those are like whodunits as well. But man, so like I was in the theater. My are they? They're horror movies. Yeah, they're slasher whodunits, like meta commentary whodunits. Though I wouldn't connect those two. Mm. Is that is that is that that's what you're gonna go with? Like yeah. after party knives out. Even actually, after party is not a good example because after party is a comedy. Yeah. So, but I feel like that is closer than Scream, the Scream movies. Yeah. Come on, come on. Knives Out's pretty funny though. No, I feel like it was pretty funny. Yeah, it could be funny. Yeah, it could be funny. But yeah, anyways. Okay, Adrian. But that's that's all, baby. That's it. That's all. That's it. We should wrap this baby up. I think this is over. Adrian, um, do you have anything else to say to our audience before we wrap it up? Um. I, oh yeah, I I started watching Superstore. Actually, I finished the first season, and I remember you mentioned specifically that like season one ends on a cliffhanger, and then the first episode of season two on Netflix like isn't uh like a like a like a direct I guess sequel to it. So I actually skipped yes. the first episode of season two to watch the second episode of season two, and then went back to the first episode of season two. But the first episode of season two, I feel like takes place like halfway through season one, so it's still a little bit jarring, but doesn't matter. Um, but anyways, it's, uh, it's all right. I don't actually really love it all that much. Uh, it's nice, like background TV, but it's not amazing. I don't love all the characters. Like, I don't okay. like the main characters of that show. Really? Oh, like Amy, mm-hmm. whatever her name is. And the other guy, I, I don't like it. I don't like the little, like love, like, will they won't their thing. I just, I don't think their relationships interesting. I find them arguably the least interesting characters and they're kind of the primary focus, which annoys me. But Glenn is really awesome, and Dina is freaking hilarious. So, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, you can find us on all podcast services around the globe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, um, all of them, all just on the regular radio, 103.5 The Beat Radio station we're on there you can't um, you can't find us there and also they know that because they're literally listening to us on one of those state those spots mm-hmm. um you can also rate us on both spotify and apple podcasts i don't know if any other podcast streaming services allow you to rate us but you can do that if you would like to um the, the idea is you can subscribe to us the, the, oh, i know they subscribe. can find us there oh yeah you can subscribe on this <laughs> so thing how many times have you done this i don't know 90 times oh man i feel like you've said that before you can where you can find us it's like they know where we can they can find us they're at an hour and 40 minutes of Mm. of episode 90 yeah i think they know where to go but yeah please subscribe yeah please please subscribe the love of god yeah and you can rate us which would help us and Mm. you can you know review us on facebook you can review us on apple Podcasts. that would also help a lot on letterboxd you can review us on Letterbox. Can you can't review us on Letterbox? But anyway, Adrian, I don't understand that service. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you joining me today. And uh, yeah, appreciate that's pretty you. much all I got. So thank you for listening to the 90th episode of Split Focus, the film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Edie, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I signing off. It's Adrian Pinter. I hope everyone has a great night. And uh, I don't even know. You know whose brain isn't mush. Batman from Batman v Superman, which is a good movie, great movie even, and so is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon Town Village City. Fuzzy.
Fuzzy. The word was fuzzy. Rain. And I tried to look for a synonym and I came up with fuzzy a second time. Nice. Quality. Similar similar to Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <You can't> think- <laughs> Yeah, it's just you can't think of any other name but Glenn. Yeah, that's the greatest scene in that entire well, show. Well, it's like the it's the guy from like Head Office or whatever, and he's just like, okay, like like my name's like Michael or whatever he is. And it's like, so what's your name? And he's just like M- Michael. And goes from there. <laughs> it's just, and then later on, he like walks. It was like, I just want to let you know, I know more names than just Michael. I know Glenn and Michael. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> It's, it's he has good. issues with names. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a very likable character. I like that he's just like this like super Christian dude as well. But again, I don't know. I, I like the show enough. I just don't love it. But anyways, not to continue a ramble. We're done. Take care. Goodbye. We are done. Goodbye.